Well, good morning. What a joy to worship with you today. Thanks for being here. A couple quick announcements before we get into the word together. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3 if you want to get ready. Um, Announcement wise, though, we have our young adult retreat coming up. Sign ups are going on right now. And we do have some scholarships available. So if you're a young adult interested in our uh, retreat this fall in September, we'd love to help you get there if, if you need financial help. So please let us know. Uh, if you reach out to us, we'll hook you up with the application for that. Also, VBS is coming up real quick, and so we're getting ready. There was a crew in here putting some things together for, to transform the stage and get things ready, and so uh, it's exciting to see this coming. If you took any of those slips of items that you want to provide for VBS, make sure you bring those back next week. We need those if you haven't already brought those in, and be praying because uh, we want these kids to hear the gospel, and uh, not only them, but we want their families to know the love of Christ, and so please be praying for VBS. All right, let's look at 1 John chapter 3 together. I'm going to start in verse 11, and we're going to read through verse 18 today. It goes like this, for this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us, and we should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Let's pray together as we consider this passage. Father, we thank you for your word. And I thank you for for John's uh, ability, inspired by the Spirit, to, to really just get down to it and, and, and shoot straight with us. Love is of you. Hatred is of our adversary, the devil. And so I pray that today you would allow our conscience to be awakened to the need to reject hatred, to reject anger, to reject jealousy, and to walk in love. Help us to take these words to heart this morning and help us to apply them to our lives, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've seen, we've seen as we've gone through this First John so far that love is a big deal. It's, it's a theme that's gonna come up again and again. One of the commentators that I was reading on this passage said that First that John is kind of like a spiral staircase because you keep coming back to the same topics, to the same points. And, and so here we are talking about love again. But this time, love is gonna be put in contrast to hate and John makes a very strong point here regarding, and remember, he's, he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. He's writing to us. He makes a strong point here that hate has no place in the Christian's heart. We are to be known for our love. That was, that was how Jesus said it that the world would know that we are his disciples by how we love. And so, as we come to John, we wanna, 
we want to reflect on what it means to love as Christians and what it means to reject hate. If you have the handout that we gave you on the way in, we're going to jump right in. The first thing you'll see on the handout is this. Love for Christian brothers and sisters is evidence of our new life in Christ. Love for Christian brothers and sisters is evidence of our new life in Christ. We're going to talk about love for all people, not just brothers and sisters in Christ, but John is specifically honing in on our need to love one another. The question that you need to answer today is, do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? Look around this room. Do you love the people in this room? Do you love the people that God has called you into relationship with here as a part of his body, as the body of Christ? Because love becomes a bit of a litmus test for our faith in Jesus Christ. This is how John says it. Look at verse 14. He says, we know that we have passed from death to life because, our, because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. John says that if we have been, remember in Colossians, we, we talked about this important gospel truth that our sin has separated us from God. Colossians describes that as we separated from God are part of what, what Paul calls in Colossians the domain of darkness. We're part of a kingdom that is in rebellion against God. But Paul said in Colossians that through Jesus Christ, we have been rescued from that domain of darkness and we have brought in, been brought into the kingdom of Jesus. And so if you have been rescued, if your life has been transformed by Jesus, or to use another biblical uh, term, if you have been born again, if you have passed from death to life, the evidence of that, at least one evidence of that, will be you will love your brothers and sisters in Christ. First John serves as a mirror. This whole book is a bit of a mirror that when we hold it up in front of ourselves, we see our true selves and we compare to what John describes as the portrait of a believer in Christ. And we say, is that what I look like? Do, do, does my life reflect the things that John says should be evident in the life of every believer? And here, he's, he's talking about love. When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you see someone who loves your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because that is one of the evidences that you have passed from death to life. On the contrary, if you do not love, John says the one who does not love remains in death. Again, here he is, you know, black and white, it's, it's right or wrong, you're, you're either doing the right thing or you're doing the wrong thing, there's, there's not a whole lot of in between, uh, and, and so when, if you were to poll the people in your life, if you were to ask the people in your life, do you see me as somebody who, who loves other people? Specifically, do you see me as someone who loves my brothers and sisters in Christ? It's always scary to ask those kinds of things of the people around us, but it's important. This is what we're doing here. 
We're doing some self-reflection. Love is evidence that we have passed from death to life. It's evidence that, that we have been born again. When, when, you, when you're born again into a new life of Jesus, that doesn't mean that, that everything bad disappears. It doesn't mean that you never ever stray from the way of love and get angry or even harbor resentment. But, but generally speaking, is your life now characterized by love? I think of what it looked like when I came to Christ and when I, when I sur- finally surrendered my life to Christ and received him as Savior, some of the changes, uh, some of the changes like outwardly were pretty evident. Like I, there was just things I didn't want to do anymore and there was just a, a lot of um, outward transformation. But sometimes that inward transformation is a little slower to catch up to the outward transformation. And so I think John wants to challenge us. He's not, he's not speaking to, to take away hope. He's not speaking to bring despair. He's, he's speaking to, to spur us on to love. Like a coach who walks into the locker room at halftime or in between periods, whatever sport you're in, I don't know. And the team's down and they're not playing, they're not playing the way they normally do. They're, they're, not, they're not playing up to the standard that has been set by that team. And the coach is, is trying to spur them on. He's trying to say, what are you guys doing? That's not us out there. That's not how we play. But it is us. <laughs> and it's how we just played. So how can you say that? No, he's, he's saying, but that's not who we're supposed to be. That's not how we want to be. And I think that's kind of what John's doing here. There's hatred in the church. There's brothers and sisters who are fighting with each other. There's brothers and sisters who are harboring resentment with each other. And, and John is not saying it's impossible for you to hate. He's saying you shouldn't hate. You shouldn't be angry with your brother. That's not us, guys. We're supposed to love. We're supposed to care for one another. Love is the evidence that we have been born again in Christ. So what of hatred? Because this is, this is where John's going. He's gonna compare and contrast love and hatred. Hatred, as you'll see on the handout, hatred is part of who we used to be. Hatred comes from our old nature. Hatred doesn't come from the new life that we have in Christ. It, ha- it comes from the old life that we lived in the flesh. It, it comes from the old life that we lived according to the ways of the world. And so when we hate or when we are angry or when we are jealous or resentful, and we'll see in a minute how all of those things tie together, when we do that, we're acting out of our old self. We're acting like the old us. We're not living according to the new life that we have in Christ. Here's how John says it, verse 15. He says, everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Now, is John saying if you hate your brother and sister, you have committed murder? You have killed, obviously that's not the case. You can hate and not murder. What he's saying is you're acting according to the old self. And the old self is a murderer. The old self 
desires to do all of these things which are against God's law, against God's will, against his plan for how he wants his people to live. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. You're behaving according to the wrong nature. You're behaving like the old self. You're behaving like somebody who has not been born again and brought in to this new life in Christ. John is not the first one to equate hatred with murder. This began with Jesus. Remember Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount, he's, he's causing, you remember he's speaking to Jewish people, so he's causing them to reflect on the, the law that has been given through Moses and uh, they knew according to the law of Moses that you should not murder. Murder's wrong. You're not supposed, you're not supposed to murder people, right? They get that. But Jesus says, but if you get angry with your brother, you have committed murder in your heart. What's going on here? Are you, how is anger the same thing as murder? Because it's obvious to all of us that murder is far worse than being angry. Like if, if I had to choose, if you were to say, hey, I've got two options, I'm either gonna get angry with you or I'm going to murder you. It's a pretty easy choice. Like one of them is obviously far worse. So what's Jesus talking about? Jesus, he understands. You see, sin, sin's like a seed. And, and like a seed, it, it first germinates it sprouts, it, be, it, it begins to grow above the surface, it, be, it begins as this small seedling, and then there's various stages, right? Becomes this small plant, and then as the plant matures, it's going to flower, and, and then it's going to bear whatever fruit. That, like there are stages of, of this thing, and what Jesus recognizes is the, the, the seed that is murder is the same seed that is jealousy and anger and resentment and hatred. Just because it hasn't fully blossomed and become murder, it's one and the same. It's part of the same sin. You're already on the wrong path. And that path is who you used to be. That path is, is what Jesus rescued you from. He's rescued you from living according to the flesh. He's rescued you from living according to the old nature, which wants to be jealous, which wants to hate, which wants to become resentful. And if not kept in check, eventually wants to murder. Murder is just the full manifestation of jealousy, anger, and resentment. And that's who you used to be. That's not who we are anymore. This is John's point. You're believers in Christ. Believers in Christ live according to the law of love. They don't live according to hatred and jealousy and anger. They live according to love. So we are to live like this. Okay, the first half is over. 
We didn't, we didn't play the way we're capable of playing. We looked a lot like the team that we used to be before we, before we committed to, to putting in the hard work and practicing and, and becoming this new team, which we're destined to be. And so let's stop, let's stop behaving like that old self and let's start behaving like the self that we were rescued from our sin to become. Because ultimately, hatred You'll see on the handout the next point. Hatred is the way of Cain. John introduces an interesting character here. He's talking to believers about their tendency to get angry with their brothers and sisters. And he connects that anger, which, which is probably some 4,000 years after the story of Cain and Abel. He, he, he connects their anger in the first century and he connects our anger in the 21st century back to an ancient sin that happened in the very beginning of the human race, the sin of Cain. If you're familiar with the story in Genesis, um, you know that Cain and Abel are sons of Adam and Eve and that they both brought offerings before the Lord. And God looked on Abel's offering with favor and delight. And we don't know a lot of the reason why, there's a lot of speculation, but for whatever reason, Abel brought a good offering and Cain didn't. Cain brought an offering that the Lord despised. And this is what John says, verse 11 of our passage. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another, unlike Cain. Boy, that's to be compared to Cain. Okay, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. This is what happened. When God looks on Abel's offering with favor and uh, Cain's offering with disdain, Cain harbors resentment. He's jealous of his brother. Why is God pleased with his offering? And he, he allows that jealousy to become anger and that anger to become hatred and that hatred becomes murder. And Cain kills his brother. John says, and why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Here is an ancient depiction of the two paths that human beings go down. We can stay in our old life. We can stay in our worldly, fleshly, sinful life. Or we can be, having been rescued from Jesus, we can live this new life, a life that we weren't even capable of living before, a life of love, a life of obedience, a life of following Christ. And that is, that is like Abel. Abel was faithful. Abel did what is, was right. But hatred is the way of Cain. Hatred is expressing exactly what our ancient ancestor Cain expressed when he picked up a stone and he murdered his brother. John Stott said, jealousy, hatred, murder is a natural and terrible sequence. Now, most everyone in this room probably is never going to commit murder. But that has a, 
probably has a lot more to do with outside influences than inner desires. <laughs> we think that we're better than we are when really it's, it's society that is keeping us in check. I mean, just go to places in the world where the consequences for murder are not very severe. And what happens? Murder is much more common. That's, are the people in that part of the world different than the people in the, this part of the world? No, it's, it's the outside influences that keep sin in check. And that's, that's an important uh, part of why society needs to be organized and needs to be governed in some way. Lawlessness is not good. Lawlessness allows the, the worst desires of human beings to manifest themselves. But whether you would ever get to the point of murdering somebody or not, jealousy, envy, anger, resentment, hatred, it's still the same seed growing inside of you. It's, it's the same sin. It's just in a different stage of development. And apart from Jesus, that's what we'll all do. Apart from Jesus, we're all going to hate. Apart from Jesus, this is where we live. We live bound by the old self. We live stuck in our sin. And, and the result of that, the manifestation of that is always hatred. Ask the sweetest, gentlest, nicest, elderly woman that you can find if she's ever hated anybody. You will be shocked. <laughs> if your grandma's still alive today, go ask her. Because likely, if you're like me, you, you, most of the time you see the best side of people. Most people have the ability to conceal the sins of their hearts and to not allow the people around them to see those manifest themselves on a regular basis. Not everybody, but most people have that ability. But inwardly, we're sinning. Inwardly, we're holding on to hate. Grandma's got somebody that crossed her 60 years ago and she hasn't forgotten about it. I promise you. It's who we are. And if it wasn't for this next point, if it wasn't for the next thing that you see on your handout, we would be hopeless. The next thing on the handout is this. Jesus has set a new example for us to follow. Self-sacrifice. Apart from Jesus, we're stuck over here. Apart from Jesus, we are destined to, to bear the penalty of our sin. We are destined to become the worst manifestations of, of who we are inside. But the good news of the gospel is that God so loved the world that he sent his son to rescue those 
who are enslaved to their own nature, who are enslaved to the sin that seeks to destroy us and the people around us. And Jesus has come and he has, he has given an, an alternative to the way of Cain. This is how John says it. He says, this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now listen, Jesus isn't the first person to lay down his life for somebody else. Before, before Jesus, I'm sure there were many times when moms or dads gave themselves to save their children or a brother gave himself to save his brother or, you know, or, or even just good friends sacrificed themselves for another good friend. But, but that is, not only is, is that the exception, not the norm, because if human beings were so filled with goodness that, and were so willing to lay down their lives for each other, the world would look a lot different than it does now. I don't know what happened yesterday. The heat was getting to you guys or something. But if you were out on the roads yesterday, it was crazy. I told Kim, I was like, I'm not going back out there. People were nuts everywhere I went. I don't know what was going on. Everywhere I went, people were like cutting each other off. And like, I saw some near accidents. I was like, what's happening? You know what's happening? We're just walking in the way of Cain. We're just, just doing what our flesh does. You're not getting in front of me. You're not, you know, I'm, I'm going first. And, and, and that's not self-sacrifice. What is that? That's the way of Cain. I want what you have and you're not taking from me. Now, fortunately, those sins did not manifest themselves as murder, but they do. The good news, though, is that Jesus has come that we could live a new life. He laid down his life for us. The difference, the difference between every other person who had laid down their life before, before, for somebody else before Jesus came is that those people were still just sinners who actually deserved to die anyhow. What's the consequence of sin? It's death. What did God say to Adam and Eve? He said, you can do anything you want. I've made this beautiful place for you. Live here, enjoy it, be satisfied by it, cultivate it, be fruitful and multiply, fill this earth with, with people, live it up, enjoy it. Just don't do one thing. Don't eat from that tree. Because the moment you do, you will die. What was the consequence of sin in the Garden of Eden? It was death. And what happened when Adam and Eve sinned? By God's mercy, they didn't immediately die completely. But they began, they immediately began the process of death. They began to die. They died spiritually and they began to die physically. The consequence of sin is death. The reason that you and I die, the reason that anybody dies is because of sin. 
If sin had not entered into the world, nobody would die. But because sin has come, we die. The consequence of sin is death. And so when a sinful person lays down their life for somebody else, they're just accepting the consequence of their sin sooner than they would have had they not done that. The difference with Jesus is that Jesus came and he had no sin. And so he deserved, he did not deserve to die. He deserved to live forever. That was the deal that God made in the very beginning. Sin and die, don't sin and don't die. Jesus didn't sin. So this is how we have come to know love. The one who did not deserve death the one who had no sin, the one who had every right to claim to live forever, laid down his life for us. And what does John say we should do in response to that? We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is the example we are to follow. Cain takes what he wants. Cain acts upon his anger Cain is a jealous man. Jesus is the ultimate example of self-sacrifice. So who are you gonna be like? Are you gonna be like Cain or are you gonna be like Christ? Are you gonna, are you gonna take, are you gonna fight for what you, what you want? Are you, are you going to view the people around you as competitors for what is yours? Or are you going to be like Jesus and say, I came here to sacrifice. I came here to give of myself so that you might have life. Jesus, Jesus' example goes all the way to the cross. Luke 23, this won't be on the screen, just listen as I read it. It says, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. Who did he say those words to? Little children who were mistakenly breaking the law and doing something they shouldn't be? Was he talking to his friends who, even though they weren't doing real good at this, at this moment, they, they had good hearts? No. He's talking to the people who crucified him. He's talking about the people who crucified him. He's asking the Father to forgive the men who put him on that cross. Jesus so thoroughly laid down his life that there was no anger, there was no resentment, there was no hatred for the very people who were crucifying him. That's the way of Christ. The way of Cain is to act according to our, our sinful desires. To live at war with the people around us, competing for what we want to have. The way of Christ is to live a life of self-sacrifice. One more point and then there's a summary that we'll get to. But maybe, let me make this last point. You'll see it on the handout. Christian love is practical, not just theoretical. Here's the danger, and John knows it. All of this talk about love, 
all of this talk about what it means to, to be self-sacrificial can become theory. It can become philosophy. It can be something that we, we, we relegate to some part of our mind that is detached from actual action. And John wants to make sure that we understand this is extremely practical. This is not something that maybe one day you'll have the opportunity to live out. It's something that you should be living moment by moment. It's a day by day thing. By the time you go to sleep tonight, you should have expressed self-sacrifice in some way. Maybe it's, maybe it's something as small as yielding to somebody out in the parking lot. No, you go. Well, maybe I shouldn't say that. We'll have a traffic jam out there. Everybody be like, no, you go. You know, you hate that. You get to a stop sign. and are like, no, you go. No, you go. No, you go. Okay, none of us will go. But, but are you going to put the, 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 the welfare of the people around you above your own self-satisfaction? What are you going to do to actually love in deed, to love in action? Not just in theory, not just in, in a mindset. This isn't just philosophical. Like, what are you gonna do? Make a list when you go to bed tonight. What did I do today that showed love for other people that was self-sacrificial? John says in verse 17, if anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? I love how this passage ends. Verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or speech. Let us not just sing songs about love. Let us not just talk for 45 minutes here about love. Let us not just take notes about love. Let us love in action and in truth. James says something very similar in James chapter two, verse 14. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. I think we're all guilty of this. I think we all do this. One of the ways we do this as Christians is somebody expresses a need and we say, man, that's tough, I'll pray for you, right? And that's good. You should pray for them. We should pray for each other's needs. I'm not saying stop doing that. I'm not even saying don't say that. I think we should say that. I think we should say, man, that's tough. I'm gonna be praying for you, but we better make sure we're praying for them. But what else can we do? If there's, and sometimes there's nothing we can do but pray for them. But oftentimes there is something we could do, we just don't wanna do it because it's gonna be self-sacrifice. It's gonna take laying down our lives. We're like, 
that's not really what I wanna do today. I don't have time for that. If, and, and, and listen, we have to be wise in how we apply this because uh, we, can, we can become so kind of like conscience, conscience stricken by this that we can't pass a homeless person without stopping and giving them some money. Well, that may or may not be wise. We have to consider the big picture of what is going on. But when you know you have a brother or sister who's in genuine need and you could help them and you withhold that help, you're not practicing the way of Christ. That's the way of Cain. It's the way of the old self. And again, <laughs> my mind goes crazy when we talk about this because there's so many things. There's, there's, first of all, there's a lot of like self-inflicted um, poverty, uh, if you want to call it that, that here in our world. And, and we just have to be wise. I just, I just want to be careful that I don't imply um, something other than that. But there's so many times when we really could do something that would help and we don't. And John says, that's not good. That's not love. You're loving in word and speech, but you're not loving in action and deed. James says, what kind of faith is that? If your faith doesn't actually act when you could help somebody, a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and you say, go in peace, stay warm, and be well-fed, How about you say, well, come with me. Let's get you some clothes. Let's get some food in that tummy. Let's let's fill you up. That's the kind of faith we're called to have. Anything else is faith that is dead. It's useless. Christian love is practical. Our lives should be full of self-sacrificial deeds that we do for others because Jesus has rescued us from this old self and he has given us new life and now it's time to live according to the way of Christ. It's time to live like Jesus lived. So here's my summary. This comes from John Stott. I really like the way he characterizes or or, or pulls together everything John is saying here. Hatred characterizes the world whose prototype is Cain. It originates in the devil, issues in murder, and is evidence of spiritual death. I'll read that again, and that's a lot to write down. Hatred characterizes the world, whose prototype is Cain. It originates in the devil, issues in murder, and is evidence of spiritual death. On the contrary, love characterizes the church, whose prototype is Christ. He is our example. It originates in God, issues in self-sacrifice, and is evidence of eternal life. Therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're going to name the name of Christ, if you're going to claim to be a follower of Jesus, let's love. Let's love not just in word. Let's love not just in song and not just in theory, Let's put love into action. Let's love the people around us. Let's follow the way of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you that by the blood of Jesus, we can be rescued
from the way of Cain, the way that comes so natural to us, the way that we are born into, the way that seeks to put self first. And somehow, by this miraculous gift of eternal life, we can be made new and we can have new desires and we can, we can truly learn to love and self-sacrifice and to lay down our lives much like how Jesus laid down his life. Father, help us to, when, when we see hatred begin to grow in our hearts, whether it is the early stages of hatred, jealousy and envy, the middle stages of hatred, resentment, anger, or even the late stages, the full manifestation of hatred, which is murder. May we turn from it. May we turn from, from who we are in, in our old self and may we find the grace through Jesus Christ to lay down our lives for those around us, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus, help us to get real practical with this. Help us to find ways each and every day to choose love over hate and to express that love with our physical bodies, with the lives that you've given us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.